0: Welcome to Let's Get Writing, the podcast that explores the creative process of writing from books, scripts, plays, and poems to songs and blogs. This series focuses on authors, publishers, and artists. Catherine's guests share their process of writing in all its forms. Listen along to discover personal journeys behind their work, explore options from indie to traditional publishing, and learn tips and secrets to inspire you. Welcome to Let's Get Writing.
1: Welcome to Let's Get Writing. I'm so happy to be here. And um, I'm your host, Katherine Taylor. It's a new year and so many stories to share on the program. And thank you so much for joining me on this journey. Here is where you can find inspiration and ideas and meet the people behind the stories. We bring life to books and so much more. And Let's Get Writing is available each week live on my Facebook page at Catherine Taylor Media. And all shows are permanently hosted on my YouTube channel at Catherine Taylor TV. And if you like your content on the go, we're on the popular platforms. For podcasts, Now, let's get to the fun part. My guests this week are the co-authors of My Indian, and not only have they contributed to the creation of this book, but they are each in their own capacities, leaders dedicated to the empowerment of the Mi'kmaq first people in Newfoundland and Labrador. Now, I could dedicate a large part of this introduction to their accomplishments. And I invite you to read more on my Facebook, YouTube, and LinkedIn pages. But now I want to welcome them to Let's Get Writing, where they can tell you their stories. And so let's bring them up here. Just take a moment and... Where are you, Sheila? There we go. <laughs> Welcome um, to the show. We have Chief Misel joe and Sheila O'Neill. How are you?
2: Good, I'm good. Good, we've
1: got your audio. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> now we're coming to you from uh, Newfoundland and Labrador. I'm in Grand Falls, Windsor, and Chief is in Con River. And Sheila, you're out there, way out in the ocean, in St. John's. <laughs> So we have the island almost covered, similar to uh, Sylvester in in your book, mm-hmm. My Indian. This is the book we're we're talking about today. Um, well, I'm so ha- happy to have you here on the show, and you've been I'm going to hold it up. You've been on the cover of the Newfoundland Herald, <laughs> and now you're here on Let's Get Writing. And um, I gave a brief introduction to each of you, and there's so many things that you have been doing, but I'd like to start by asking you to talk about the project and why why it started, why it came about. And uh, let's make this easy. I'll start with you, Chief.
2: Okay. Well, for my part, uh, it started uh, 200 years ago with uh, my relative that uh, guided Cormac across uh, Newfoundland. And um, I've heard the story for years and years and uh, finally decided that it was time to do something about it uh no known history that i could find uh that tells sylvester's true story so we sort of had to go with the historical fiction version and um, sort of uh, create a person and then create a story around that and this for sheila comes in of course uh, um and to be the co co-writer co-author i I'm, i keep telling her i'm the storyteller you're the writer in this partnership
1: well, you know, every partnership has to have a balance. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and if you both came in with the same skills, well, that might not work out as well. But Sheila, how about for you? How, how did, uh, were you approached by Chief or did did you run across this over a coffee? How did it all get started? Oh, well, I was at Pow Wow in Con River
3: and uh, Chief approached me and said, I've got a project I'm wondering you might be interested in talking to me about. And I said, sure. So I, uh, grabbed what I call a scribbler, a pen, and and, uh, went over to his house and sat out on the deck. And he said, Sheila, I've got an idea, and I'd like you to help me uh, put it together. And he was telling me the story of Sylvester Joe and and how he wanted to write the story. And I started uh, scratching down notes as fast as I could as he was talking. And I said, my goodness, you've got the entire outline of the book right here already. And so so that was July of
1: 2017, and, and so it began. And so it began. That's when I was wondering. And, it, and it's interesting that when you talk about the oral tradition, which is a big part of your culture and, and actually the culture of Newfoundland, but that gave you that outline just by sitting down and talking to mm-hmm. him. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So had you been telling, Chief, had you been telling the story yourself for many years?
2: Absolutely. And uh, listening to the story and telling myself the story. Uh, my first book that I wrote, actually, I told myself the story on a tape recorder and then l- later had it published. But this was uh, a little easier uh, to some degree. I would tell Sheila the story and she would try and write it, uh, keep up with me. But uh, I get so wrapped up in the story at times, I forget that she's typing this while I'm talking. And didn't always make for a good uh, laugh.
1: <laughs> probably improve your skills Sheila
2: <laughs>
1: many skills were improved in the making of this book <laughs> yeah well how okay so this is how it started it started on the back deck and then from there you had to I guess take it into a different format you had to edit you had to find a publisher the whole the whole journey um let's talk a little bit about that how did it move along
2: from from my my part, that I would I would uh, write, and my wife would do the first edit on that, and then she would send that to Sheila. And sometimes uh, we would actually be on the phone, FaceTime, uh, doing some work. And when I went to town on business, I would show up at her house, and we would do some more work. And sometimes we would be paper all over the, the floor. That we're taking pieces out, putting pieces in, and. Um, Sometimes it, the, the, the time went so fast, that you all day sometimes, trying to uh, get this done and take parts out and make sure that it all fit together in a, in a order that I didn't make sense. I could tell a story, but they don't always jive the way a uh, proper writer could, could make it happen. That was Sheila's part. And of course, along the way, we uh, just, you know, let's eyes at me sometimes, what are you talking about now? <laughs> <laughs>
1: So, Sheila, you had to take the ingredients, yes, and make the cake, so to speak. Yes, yeah. and
3: connect everything. And Chief didn't. Um, we didn't write the story in order of chapter one, two, three, four. Uh, there were bits and parts, pieces of the story that Chief would be inspired, and he'd say, "Well, let's let's write this one," or "I've been really working," or "I've had some ideas on this one," so that might be chapter eight. And then the next one would be chapter two and the next one would be chapter 11. So that was, that was part of all this. The whole story was there, but connecting it and making sure that there were no inconsistencies and that it flowed. And then of course, putting in all of the Mi'kmaq words and, and, uh, uh, all those other bits as well.
1: Yeah. And the book is quite, I mean, it's quite informative to anyone reading there, you know, in, in the back there are, um, words and numbers and give it, giving you the, the different guide through there. And there's some photographs and questions and all kinds of interesting things that make it. It's a wonderful read, a story that, I, you know, it touches on things that are so important, the environment, things that were important to Sylvester, uh, and certainly the preservation of the biotics and all of that. And then you take it and you put it in. It's such a beautiful read. And then it's almost a way to learn more about the culture. And what I wanted to to ask you, when you wrote it, why, why did you write it? Was that what you hoped to spread the word about, Sylvester? And yes, go
2: ahead. Yeah, we wanted to bring uh, Sylvester to life, uh, and uh, we've always known about him, but nothing was ever written about it except for what uh, Cormac wrote. And, you know, he he had an old journal put together. Not a lot about Sylvester, uh, even though at the time, I would think 200 years ago, Sylvester was as close to an Aboriginal doctor as you can get in terms of Mm Uh, the medicine that they saw and all the things that they were looking at he had uh, Cormac didn't pay any attention to any of those things and he wrote a lot of things in in Latin and talked about the plants and at one time he actually talked about uh um, you having a caribou farm set up and bringing people from uh, Lapland to be herders and and so it made for an interesting discussion all the way across and of course we we followed Cormac's journal uh, almost uh, page by page because it was written in a way where they had marked out their campsites. So we wanted to make sure that when when Cormac was writing in his journal, that, that Sylvester was writing on his stick because at that time uh, he carried a stick with him, so it was his, his uh, I guess, travel stick. And so his journey was marked out on a, on a stick while Cormac wrote in his journal.
1: Mm, and to his people, reading that stick would be the the same thing. He could tell the story directly from that, the same as we would pick up a book. I thought that was so interesting, and I personally was so frustrated by Cormac's attitude toward the help that Sylvester wanted to bring him, you know, with the plants and and with ways to stay warm and safe. And he was so resistant to that. And actually, I'm not sure if I right off the top had explained what this is, but it's a story of Sylvester Joe, um, who was the uh, Mi'kmaq guide who was hired to, to um, take Cormac across Newfoundland. And, uh, you know, interestingly enough, as the book starts, he wanted Sylvester to prove that he was capable of doing True. this journey and thus delayed it to the point, you know, to the point that they, they hit some bad weather. You know, arrogant, I guess, would be the word that comes to mind <laughs> when I think of Cormac. Uh, and and uh, so their interchange throughout the story is quite engaging and taking us, as that you know, on, on that kind of journey too, how they reacted. And, um, yeah.
2: Yeah, it's interesting, that, uh, you know, when you look to Cormac Turn that he always referred to uh, Sylvester as my Indian.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And, you know, right off uh, from, the, right from the gate out, it was uh, something that I didn't like at all. Uh, growing up, I've heard it, and, and racism is alive and well. And that, that was evident in the book. Uh, I mean, Cormac looked at him nothing less than a, than a servant, no, no better than a, a mule. I have to try them out to save you any good before I take you on this journey. Even though he had walked from Con River to St. John's, uh, you know that's uh, over 250 miles from Con River. then take him on a hundred mile journey just to see if he could uh, he was any good as, as a guide and as someone that'll carry a bigger load so then then referred him as my Indian.
1: You know, and I wanted to ask you both about that, the title of the book, My Indian, because I know that you together had some discussion about that. So Sheila, what, what, what do you have to say about the, the title? Well, right from that first
3: meeting on the deck, uh, Chief had a copy of Cormac's journal, and uh, we were sort of looking through it. And every time he'd read My Indian, and this proceeded throughout the writing process, if he came across those words, he'd, he'd just fling the book. He'd just get so frustrated at times, he'd throw it. And, uh, I said, right right from that very first day, I said, I know what the title of this book has to be. It has to be My Indian. And he said, no, 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 it's no really. We want to reclaim the narrative. Uh, I know it's going to be controversial, so I guess I talked Chief into it and then we talked Breakwater into it uh, because we want to reclaim the narrative and we want people to understand that uh, this, is, this was the norm at the time to refer to your guide uh, in that way, 27 times right from page one in the original journal. Uh, Cormac called Sylvester my Indian and you know uh, Sylvester Joe was a person of national historic significance for being one of the very first Mi'kmaq guides and so on the one hand you have this this uh, human who's got you know a, a, such a designation and yet his name was you know Cormac r- barely rarely used his name
1: mm. actually there was um I think I have it marked it was in, in page 40, 43. And um, the test of fidelity. But the next day, um, I may not say this correctly, Sulu, Sulu, Suliway? Suliway. Suliway returned to St. John's where he finally met up with Cormac. Cormac said to Suliway, from now on, you will be my Indian. Mm. Sullivan responded, "My name is not my Indian. My my church name is Sylvester." Cormac said, "I will call you Sylvester, but nevertheless, you're my Indian." Again, Sullivan said, "I'm not. I'm not your Indian." Cormac replied, "You're my Indian," hmm. and that was the opening of that chapter. And I I noted it because I knew we were going to talk about the title and and just the feeling you have from reading that that he he did not. Um, Respect him as Sylvester. He was just someone who was going to help him go across the island. Mm-hmm. Actually, he made a good choice because I don't think he would have made it. <laughs> <laughs> he did do that.
2: <laughs> well, he, he also, uh, Sylvester also started calling uh, Cormac uh, El Gladio, mm-hmm. which, which means uh, white man, my white man. So, and he didn't give uh, Cormac a translation, he just continued to call him that. Mm-hmm.
1: He said that. Oh, it means you're my boss. Yeah,
2: something like that.
1: <laughs> something like that, yeah. <laughs> but uh, and so when Sheila was pushing for you to take this this title for the the cover of the book, um, did you push back or did you see her point of view right away?
2: No, I, I don't think I pushed back at all. Uh, it was it was a good good title, and we knew we were going to create a little bit of fuss around. Um, and of course, you know, I've been and for years talking about the racism and prejudice that we deal with every day as, as Aboriginal people and have a book uh, that we wrote called My Indian and of jumping right into the fire. But uh, it was a good good timing uh, when the book came out at the time when the problems of Newfoundland would change the Red Indian Lake to, uh, uh, from, from, from that to another name, which is now the Biotic Lake, I believe it is called. So... The two sort of came together, and that helped, I think.
1: Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm just going to bring the – I'm not sure how this is going to play out on the screen. I'm trying to show this in the stream. There we go. There is the cover of the book. Because I Mm -hmm. wanted to uh, also mention that the artist for this um, cover, Jerry Evans, and he's a Mi'kmaq. Mi'kmaq artist who was born and raised here in central Newfoundland. Mm-hmm. And uh, you pointed out to me the other day some of the things in this cover that I wish you would share mm-hmm. with the audience.
3: Um, okay, so uh, when Jerry did the, the uh, cover work for us, he, he made sure that the clothing was historically accurate. So the clothing, the skin boots that you see that Sylvester is wearing and that Cormac is wearing would be uh, accurate to the time. Um, also, you can see uh, right behind uh, Sylvester is his bundle. And that bundle is a replica of Chief Joe's actual bundle, which is uh, available for viewing in the rooms. And so even you know the axe and uh, basically the, the setting. And also if you look way off in the distance, I'm not sure if you can see it on the screen, but if you look at the actual cover, you can see smoke in the distance and that's significant
1: to the story. Right, that could be the biopic that he was yeah. not going to lead Cormac to.
3: Yes, and even if you notice uh, in the title of uh, the, the title, um, there's an eel spear uh, motif there, which was uh, part of the design process by the uh, great folks at Breakwater, and uh, an eel spear is significant as well because crossed eel the eel spears significant uh, represent being able to care for your family, feed your family. Uh, and they would have been used at the time as well.
1: Interesting. Well, now, the book itself, and I also have a, I downloaded here, a study guide, and I have a copy I'm going to put up just for everyone to see. And here we go, back again. So the book is so much more than just a book. It's a, it's a beautiful read. It's, it's not a long, long read. And as you had said, Chief, you you didn't want it to be too long of a story. um, But there's also a study guide, so let's talk about that a little bit. Where is this book going to go?
3: Well, we're really hoping that that it goes into the uh, school curriculum in the junior high, high school curriculum. Uh, Breakwater was seeing interest from um, some folks um, here in the province, some some in education, uh, including Memorial University, by the way and thought maybe a study guide would be timely, a free downloadable study guide with hot links that take you to audio and video and uh, maps and so on. Uh, so that study guide is available free. It, uh, it covers um, a lot of the social learning, um, there's geography and history, there's art in there. And it's, uh, it's an, uh, I think it's a really good accompaniment to the book, particularly if someone is interested in uh, bringing it into the classroom and are quite sure where to start or what resources can be used to go along with the book.
1: Wonderful. And I had uh, actually had it online and it's wonderful that you can read and link. It just takes you in so much deeper, but not just, not just that, I think, just the book itself as it stands. What are you, you hoping people to take away from reading it, the broader audience of people who can, can purchase this book?
2: For me, it would be uh, the environmental uh, things that we talked about in the book, and how our life uh, in comparison to the non-Aboriginal lifestyle was so different in in how we lived lived on the land and used the land and the resources that land gave us. Um, in one of the earlier chapters, when they went up the coast, uh, they, they were observing that there were boatloads of uh, people going out to rob the eggs from from the, the colonies along the along the coast and our people i was with my grandfather at one time and we found a goose nest one and my question why not take them all it's no 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 we, we need to come back You need to come back every year and this you don't you don't do that and so i've uh, would have been amazed at uh, that 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 time, in 200 years ago, that people were actually killing off all uh, uh, birds by taking all the eggs, that includes seagulls and the great hawk and a lot of other birds that was around at the time.
1: I think that message comes through very strongly in the book, to respect the environment and, and where we live and the, the land from which we come. Sheila, you look like you have something to add.
3: Well, I do. Uh, For me, I think it's really important that any reader considers the source of what they're reading. I know that uh, myself, along with many others in this province, were taught in the grade five history book that the Mi'kmaq were brought over by the French to kill off the Bi'athik. And, you know, that concept, misconcept, that construct has really stuck. And people believe that the Mi'kmaq were never uh, on this island. We were not uh, indigenous to this island. Uh, which is, of course, not true, and that and that's known as the mercenary myth. And there's nothing in history to back up, back that up, except that it was written in a, in an educational textbook. And so I would challenge readers to look at who's who's writing the book from what perspective, uh, and to consider just because William Cormack, with all of his honors and distinctions, wrote a journal, doesn't mean that what he has written tells the the true story.
1: Hmm. And this is something that I came to mind as I was reading and, and researching this material, is that your history has always been, or most often, an oral tradition, and now you are taking it and writing your own history. Has this been done before, or are you really breaking ground here?
2: And, uh, a new plan, maybe, but not in other parts of the Maritimes uh. There's been books written by by well-known authors and uh, Daniel Paul, We Were Not the Savages come to mind as one of the books that's uh, been written. Uh, but there's not enough, certainly not enough uh, Mi'kmaq or Aboriginal uh, writers in Newfoundland. Maybe this will help to change some of our younger people's mind and start to do some of this work as well.
1: Mm-hmm absolutely a, g- a great idea and I could see that coming from this. It would inspire confidence and uh, ideas and validity of why these stories are important to be told. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. So now that you have this book under your belt and out into the world where people, people can, can read it and classrooms can share in it, what's coming next? Do you have plans for anything else?
2: already started the sequel to this one uh, because there's a time when, uh, when Cormac and Sylvester parted ways in, in St. George's Bay where Cormac went off in different routes and Sylvester uh, stuck around for a little while and then decided he would go back and uh, take a look at some other things that he wanted to see. So I'm not going to give away too much of the, the sequel, but it is, it is in the works.
1: And Sheila, you're involved with that as well? Oh, yes. <laughs>
3: uh, so it's going to start in 1822 when Sylvester uh, leaves Cormac, and it's going to cover the period from 1822 to 1828. In history, the, that's the only other reference to Sylvester Joe, uh, when Cormac approaches him and asks him to accompany him to Red Indian Lake. And that's the time when uh, Cormac takes the skulls back to Scotland for for study, the Beothic skulls. So we're going to we're going to give this is going to be not a historical fiction, but more uh, fiction fiction, perhaps, uh, where we're going to create the environment uh, that um, Sylvester lives in and travels in from 1822 to
1: 1828. Mm, And it's already started. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think, I think your spring and summer is going to certainly be occupied. Oh yes. <laughs> yes. Now, chief Joe, you, you began in 2014, working on the repatriation of the biotic remains um, that were taken back at that time. And, you know, how was that experience for you? And I mean, to, it's, it's just been amazing. The first steps have been taken. It's not completed yet, but
2: what? No, well, it, it- it started before uh, 14 actually started a long time ago when I was asked to be part of the Biotic Institute and at the time I asked the folks around the table if if we should not go uh, to Scotland to to demand those remains be brought back to Newfoundland and of course nobody uh, would do that or didn't want to do it or couldn't do it so finally in 2014 I decided there was enough and I need to do this so, after making some contact with uh, the museum in Edinburgh, I uh, decided I would go down and uh, make make the first attempt anyway. And that's where I started from. And then finally, uh, after constant badgering, I guess, in writing, getting uh, governments involved and other people involved in Scotland too, as well, uh, they finally, finally it finally happened.
1: And they are now at the rooms. Yes. Yes. And do you hope to, to bring them to their final resting place? Is that the ultimate goal for you?
2: I, I honestly don't know at this stage. Uh, it, it would be a, an incredible thing to do, but uh, those, those uh, remains are so famous at this stage that uh, you'd almost be afraid to put them out where they can be stolen again. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure there's ways of protecting them if we need to do that.
1: Wonderful. Well, I want to thank you both so much for the the time uh, coming here on on the show to talk about the book. And and certainly, are there any final thoughts or words that you'd like to share with people on this topic and and around the book?
2: For me, I I would want people to read the book and uh, start calling uh, uh, filmmakers. It would make a great movie. (laughs)
1: we talked about that
2: <laughs> <laughs> it
1: would make it would make a great movie and just that journey across the island might yeah. be a little more challenging in some places these well not really if you think what they traveled over
2: <laughs> yeah right I mean, now yeah, yeah. The flooding in a lot mm-hmm. of those areas now and uh i guess if you had a canoe uh, at every lake that you had to cross where they walked that would be one way of doing it
1: Yeah, that could work. Yeah. Yeah. And Sheila, any, any final words for, for people?
3: Well, I I just, again, as chief said, I encourage people to pick up the book and read it. It's not a long read. Uh, People that have read it have said, it sounds like uh, they can hear someone reading it to them, which I thought was one of the greatest compliments Uh, and enjoy it. And uh, uh, hopefully if any teachers are listening, we would love it if you brought it into your classrooms and, and uh, we might even, delighted to be guest speakers if that's a thing
1: oh well you'd be wonderful guest speakers (laughs) i want to thank you so much for your your time today and and to thank our audience for joining us and again i'm going to just pop up my copy which is well read Mm -hmm. and um and encourage you to take to take the book and and read it
2: i'll have to read it one i'll have to read it one of those days (laughs)
1: Yeah, (laughs) you know what as a just a final word reading your own writing it is a bit different because did i write that did i did i do that yeah yeah nice way to end the show thank you very much to (laughs) both of you thank you have a great day thank you bye now thank you for joining us folks
0: thanks so much for listening. We'd love to hear from you. So please let us know what you thought of this episode and share your ideas for future guests or topics. You can email us at let's get writing at katherine Don't forget to subscribe and even leave a review. And if you love this episode, share it with a friend. Until next time, believe in yourself and let's get writing.